0: welcome to the accord research alliance podcast where we talk with innovators who measure what matters in christ-centered relief development and advocacy i'm rodney green senior manager of monitoring and evaluation at compassion international and today we share with you the keynote talk that dr jayakumar christian gave at the accord research alliance intensive this past october 11th 2022 the theme of that intensive Was nothing without us a kingdom perspective for sharing love and power in evaluation and research practice. And Dr. Christian's opening keynote talk was called Foundations for a Kingdom Perspective. As you will hear, Dr. Christian challenges us to avoid falling into the trap of playing the power game and of slicing off a spiritual dimension from other aspects of our lives, including economics and politics, and urges us to redefine power based on a theocentric approach that points to God as the holder of all truth and power to see the extension of the kingdom of God as our purpose and to placing relationships with those in poverty front and center in all that we do and measure in the context of the kingdom. The first voice you will hear is that of Dr. David Bronkema from the Accord Research Alliance, providing context for the intensive as a whole, and then introducing Dr. Christian and his keynote talk. May God bless you and may you enjoy these talks. And quite recently then, a new term
1: directly linked to this age-old question has come into vogue, especially in secular development organizations, the term of decolonization, as in to decolonize international development. And uh, this is a much more powerfully descriptive word than participation, right, since it does point to the dimensions and differentials of power that are always inherent in relationships, power that lies primarily with those who control the financial resources needed to make things go. But it also has built into it inherent moral assumptions, judgments, and prescribed trajectory right, that power should be handed over to those with whom we work, and doesn't really say anything at least implicitly about what relationships should look like beyond those power dimensions, especially the Christian insistence on love. So in short, this decolonization paradigm is useful in some ways as we tackle this issue of participation and inclusion, monitoring, evaluation, learning, and research even as it has its own limits and shortcomings, especially from a biblically-based perspective that weaves our theology together with our theory and practice in that area. For what we are really aiming for, right, is to become a beloved community, a relational community that is more fully submitted to Christ as a sign and embodiment of the kingdom and all that we do, where even power inherent in all relationships and systems is repurposed as mutually beneficial action where the freedom of all is tied up in one another. So what we're going to try to do today is the following. We're going to begin with Jayakumar, Kumar Christian, sharing with us his thoughts on the foundations of a Christian perspective of how you can repurpose and, and reframe the question of power. Kumar, I've introduced you, not at length, but Kumar's bio is there. Please come up and share with us what the Spirit has placed in your heart.
2: I want to thank David, Nina, and Joe for walking with me through this preparation. It has been a privilege, and I want to thank both for nudging me to participate in this Accord conference. This is my first time, so I had to start from the question, what does Accord really mean? So you're probably very well aware of that. So I want to thank all of them for this Privilege, if you have your Bible in whatever form, if you could look at 2nd Corinthians chapter 10, the context is very interesting. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church full of challenges. Uh, Paul himself comes through as a weak apostle, trying to establish his credentials with the Corinthian church. He's saying, I am you may have many people who have mentored you, but I am your father, spiritual father. So he goes on to say that. And then in chapter 10 verses 4 to 6, Paul sets the, the mandate for missions. And he says this, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Ready to punish every disobedience when your own disobedience is complete. Paul says the task even of a weak church is to challenge, to destroy arguments. The language in other versions is demolish arguments. And every lofty opinion, every thought captive, all disobediences, all that stand against people coming to know God. He says this against the knowledge of God. I want to suggest that in those three verses, probably the missional purpose of M&E, that is why you are involved in M&E. You're not involved in M&E to establish the uniqueness of Christian organizations, that great brand people can do that for you brand managers can do that for you you're not there doing m and just to say what a good boy am I why waste a whole lifetime on saying that because you know we are all redeemed sinners at the end of the day so we really don't need to waste our time on that the intent of doing m and you used many many languages to communicate kingdom impact with evidence beyond anecdotes all kinds of things you said primarily, and I want to suggest, is to demolish and destroy arguments that stand against the knowledge of God. And I want to suggest the context in which you and I work in humanitarian industry is a context that is hijacked by secularists who don't require a hypothesis of God. That is why you are involved in MNE. To be able to challenge the humanitarian industry itself, the poor really don't need convincing that you're doing good work. No, they are so grateful. You, know, you walk into any community, they will say, Uncle so grateful that my child is able to go to school." And all this they tug in your heart, even if there is no conversation. But you and I are involved in the prophetic ministry to challenge the humanitarian industry itself with evidence. That is why you are involved in ME. And remember the God that you you and I worship never makes mistakes. In his economy, there's nothing where he says, I wish I can start all over again. He never makes mistakes. So this morning, I want to suggest two things. Even as we look at these thoughts or these mandates that we are dealing with, like participation, shifting power, power sharing, diversity, inclusion, empowerment, decolonization, none of our M&E is value-neutral they come with value bias. So also these terms come with value bias. You and I are called to challenge that value bias itself, not just use their frame and say what a good boy am I. We probably will just be reinforcing those values. We are not here, this is about power, the language of power is all written all over, participation, shifting power, power sharing, Decolonization is clearly about power. The instruments for to further our power conversation are instruments that are so familiar for NGOs. We are after all people with resources, go to a people without resources, have access to knowledge, to a people without knowledge, probably have rich experience and we say no that's good for nothing. We have our own experience. We have all other complica- other uh, other assets which we bring to this power relationship. The challenge for us as kingdom people is to not just simply play this power game well. Don't waste your lifetime playing power game well. And the risk in talking about kingdom and power, it will invariably backfire into your organization. It will ask questions, so how is power practiced within your organization? So you can't do it just for the poor and say, oh, we've done it it will unfortunately ask this embarrassing question how am I treating my colleagues in the office so that's the risk in doing this kingdom conversation it's that two-edged sword it will ask this embarrassing question about Jack Mars' life itself so the first thesis that I want to suggest for our conversation think with me is we are not called to simply refine power or play that power game well we are called to redefine power itself because in that those definitions are the oppression, the vulnerabilities, the manipulation, the evil that we are dealing with. That's where it is embedded. You and I are called to redefine power itself. The other risk you and I, we need to be careful is the language of spiritual metrics. Almost seems to suggest There is a huge block in our life which is not spiritual. I want to suggest, and this probably will be another conference, I want to suggest that every aspect of our life has spirituality embedded in it. The moment you create a dimension called spiritual, you've lost the plot. The devil will say, I got you into a project mode. I've got you into a project mode when whole life, you want to transform whole life because there is spirituality embedded in politics, spirituality embedded in economics, spirituality embedded in these social relationships. Those need challenging. So you want to be careful that you don't slice off a life, one part of your life and say, oh this is spiritual. So we will specialize on spiritual because we are a Christian organization. We've lost the plot. There is spirituality in politics Spirituality and economics, which Walter Wink calls as the spiritual interiority, the worldview of institutions. That is why you are an ME. To bring alternate data and challenge those worldviews. Don't waste your time just simply using their frame and producing brilliant statistics. That in my, my my mind, I sorry, I use this word without any particular malice or intent. Even Rotary Club can do it don't waste your time on Kingdom people don't waste time on those. We are about transforming nations, not simply implementing successful projects. That even Rotary Club can do it. Kingdom people are about transforming nations. So with these two primary theses that there is nothing called spiritual which can be sliced off and you and I are called to trans- redefine power itself. Where else to start than kingdom itself? Why kingdom? And I'm so grateful. There are no clocks in this room. I was suggested or suggested fifteen minutes. So I'll try. I'll look at my wife to get the cue. We have
1: plenty of time. We have plenty of time.
2: So, why kingdom of God? Uh, briefly, and all of you, many of you here are theologians, so you really don't need much of a work here. Uh, basically, to suggest there is nothing outside the scope. Of this thing called the rule and the reign of God. Uh, Abraham Kuyper says this, there is no thumb breadth of space about which our God doesn't say that is mine. That's a brilliant summary of scope of the kingdom of God. So that is why we go to the kingdom of God for this redefinition process. And I want to look at five themes this morning and quickly run through and then we could pick it up. By the way, I'm good at raising questions. I'm not good at answering questions. Disclaimer <laughs> clearly, Nina and Joe will answer those questions. <laughs> there are five themes we're looking at. As we're clearly looking at a kingdom that is in its DNA theocentric. No other way, really. Opposes all kingdoms. It's relational, transformational with an inner focus. reversal reverses status quo. And probably there are plenty more theological motives that you can look at. Theocentric. Clearly, this is a kingdom that is defined in terms of God, not in terms of its membership. Yeah. Bishop Newbigin from UK, who was a bishop in one of our churches in Chennai, or the diocese in Chennai, would say that kingdom is not a club looking for membership. Uh, unfortunately, we in the church have made it a mutual admiration club ourselves, just about ourselves. Kingdom is about God and it has to point in the direction of God so when we say we are looking to develop kingdom frameworks it has to be measured in terms of theocentricity of our processes. Does it point in the direction of God? We are not doing God a favour. We are doing ourselves a favour by positioning our processes, our inquiries, our analysis in terms of this big question does it point in the direction of God? If it's kingdom it better be pointing in the direction of God because that's the kingdom that you and I are talking about. It is a kingdom that impacts all of human life and it is deeply aggressive in the sense it will fulfill its purposes because it is birthed in the heart of God. It will not... none of us come and can come in the way and say or we will redirect it. The final counsel belongs to God. That's what Proverbs says. The second, So consequently I want to suggest, and this is my question time, if kingdom is theocentric I want to suggest that this is how it will, will redefine power. The purpose of our presence and our measurement is simply to extend the kingdom of God. We are not doing kingdom a favor The kingdom is not an afterthought or something that will sneak into our processes and projects. To establish without being ashamed, we are about establishing the kingdom of God. This has nothing to do with conversion, manipulation or any of those. The poor cannot be manipulated anymore. They are already a manipulated lot. And you don't want Christian organizations to come and manipulate even with the most sincere of agendas. We have no right to manipulate the poor. It's as simple because, very simply, not because I believe in decolonization. I believe because they are made in the image of God. No person made in the image of God should be manipulated. Kingdom principle. So even if you are most noblest of profession or intent, conversion, whatever else, don't manipulate the poor. They're the the frontline staff, when they walk among the poor, is a sacred ground. Protect that. The integrity of your frontline staff is absolutely critical. The Possibly, and I want to suggest, another possibility because it's theocentric, we communicate what Psalm 62, 11 says, power always will belong to God. It is not for me to share, distribute, decolonize, it should be for it is it is for me to point in the direction that power always belongs to God. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, "Once I have heard said, but twice I have heard said, that power always belongs to God." Our processes, our metrics should point in the direction of this truth, that in a theocentric kingdom, power will always belong to God. It is not for me to distribute. I am still a recipient of that power. I'm only a steward never an owner to decolonize or share or distribute. Because I'm a steward I know because I'm a redeemed sinner and I will always be a steward. The moment I pretend even if it is a big organization like World Vision, when we pretend power belongs to us we make life bitter for everyone around us. We need to be careful. Power really belongs to this theocentric kingdom. It's a prophetic act. Your m and is a prophetic act, like Paul says, to demolish and destroy every thought. That is why you and I are called in m and if there is one aspect of any organization that, is, that has an advantage to provide thought leadership, it's the m and function, to provide thought leadership to an organization, not just within the organization but to an industry itself. And because it's theocentric, you and I are called to be dependent on God by choice, not out of necessity. The second theme that I want to suggest is this kingdom opposes all other kingdoms. It will not coexist with any kingdom. This kingdom does not coexist. Our metrics and measurements and our processes and our life cannot play God in the lives of the poor. It's as simple as that. Why? Because that's the nature of the kingdom. Not because the industry wants it that way. The nature of the kingdom is in this kingdom will not tolerate even Jay Kumar playing God in the lives of anyone, however noble it might be. This king this God of this kingdom will be ruthless when that happens. It will not coexist. It will constantly challenge evil, manipulation, oppression in the society. That's the business of the kingdom. You and I co-work with this God. We are stewards. We are never owners of this process. We will always be so that when people look at our lives and our processes they should arrive at God conclusions rather than making Jaikumar God the poor will easily give you God's status because after all you're doing good for them. In my country they will call me Bhagwan very easily. You're Bhagwan, why? Oh you took my child to the hospital. That's all so easy to become a Bhagwan. The poor will easily ascribe for you and me the Bhagwan status. Be careful, don't play God in the lives of the poor. Because when someone played God in the lives of the poor, that's when they birthed poverty. That's when they birthed poverty and that's what you and I are up against, this tendency to play God. We don't decolonize because that's the latest in the humanitarian industry. That's the way of life, that's the normal, always normal in the kingdom of God. It will never tolerate. Conflict is inevitable in the kingdom because it opposes. It opposes all other kingdoms. Confl- conflict, if you read, read Luke and Acts and my highlight, all those portions where the, those audiences of Jesus were upset against Jesus, I was surprised. 9.99 out of 10 times, Jesus provoked those anger. When he could have actually healed that man with a withered hand on Monday, he will heal it on Sunday, Saturday. He was about upsetting status quo clearly. God plans his greatest plan of salvation where in a home that could not even afford a turtle dove or a young pigeon for the first son's dedication. Complicated God we have. He always makes the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> to provoke. You and I in E are called to provoke the humanitarian industry. Don't let the secularist hijack that industry. It was birthed out of noble purposes of, by churches and missions over years. Today they have hijacked it lock, stock and barrel. That is why you are an m providing thought leadership on behalf of your organization, behalf, behalf of the church to transform the humanitarian industry. So if the kingdom opposes all other kingdoms, some suggestion on how it redefines power It will always be disruptive. It will raise the awkward question. Moltmann would say it will raise the question of meaning. Because in those meanings are embedded flawed worldviews, flawed ideologies. Don't just take questions at its face value. Challenge the question itself. Where did I learn this? From Jesus. He is in the habit of answering a question with another question must be so frustrating for the young ruler. Now I come here to ask this question. Everybody is saying he answers great questions and then you go and ask him who is my neighbour by the and he tells me a story. I'm a Jewish. I'm a lawyer. Why would you tell a story to a lawyer? And then I'm a Jewish lawyer. Why would you make a Samaritan the hero of the story? He could have made the Levi and the Pharisee the hero of the story easily. He makes the Samaritan the hero story. Upsets upsets the Jewish lawyer in the process. He didn't convert the Jewish lawyer at all. He upsets him and reverses his question from who is my neighbor to whose neighbor am I? The role of the church to challenge the question itself. Don't simply be the answering mission, bending mission for answers. The world will force you into a corner to answer questions the way they want it. refuse to answer the question, challenge the question itself the nature of the kingdom let me offer another theme, kingdom of God is relational it's, this is after all the kingdom of a triune God who exists in relationships there is a theme that runs through the scripture which is the covenantal theme it'd be good for us to study that in Old Testament New Testament then you have the brilliant testimony of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, this is how I loved you, a church that did not love him. And he says, this is par excellence love. The kingdom of God is relational. It's a kingdom of a triune God. It's a personal, personal kingdom. It's not just simply a concept or an idea or a system, or a structure, or an institution, or an ideology that is being birthed. It's a, it is a kingdom that invites us into relationships. Relationships matter in this kingdom. That is why it is important in our methods and metrics that we constantly shift to the other. There will be space for others in this kingdom, always. That's the nature of this kingdom because it's the kingdom of a triune God. He transforms relationships, learning to read relationships. If poverty is about broken relationships, you and I need to measure the healing of relationships. Are relationships being healed? Not just whether all these little nuts and bolts are in place. The nuts and bolts will be in place. But the bones will not stand up. There won't be life. it will still be dead bones. You want to breathe life into it. So you want to look at transformational of re- transformation of relationships. Some possibilities. How does it redefine power? It's definitely beyond simply mobilization of people and community organization and all those things that we learned. It will never exploit numbers. People will not be reduced to simply numbers and issues. We need to be able to give flesh and blood to these people. How you do it? remember my my task here is only to raise questions not to answer questions you want to look at those numbers and bring it to life to people who want for whom it is important and it calls for our processes and our presence among the poor calls for investment of relationships among them our relationships matter as agents of transformation decolonization, power sharing, whatever else we might call it is not just a strategy being rolled out it's a life being invested. Those at best are only platforms. Don't confuse platforms with purpose. You and I are called to invest life, invest relationships and it is important for us to recognize The devil will do everything to destroy those relationships. He will do everything to destroy relationships and you and I cannot afford to have broken relationships because the rule in life heal people heal others. Hurt people multiply hurt. How do I share power? Invest life. All my processes, projects, at best are only platforms so that I can invest life. And we have seen this over and over again in World Vision many years ago. We worked in North India Samson would know he was there and in this community we worked as part of our community mobilization piece we worked. We had a village committee. The head of the village committee was a strong Hindu fundamentalist and he was a good friend of World Vision and when his state president heard that this member of his is working with a Christian organization he was very anxious. So he came rushing to this project which is close to in North India and in Rajasthan and he came and met his member and asked, is it true that you work very closely with World Vision? He said, yeah, they're good people, they do this, A, B, C, D and all those kinds of things. Then he said, do you know they're a Christian organization? He said, yes, I know they are a Christian organization. He said, do you know these Christian organizations, after they may lay roads and clinics and everything else, they will ask you to become a Christian. So our friend, our Hindu fundamentalist friend told his state president, if you look at their lives, you will also want to become a Christian. Investment of life. Investment of life. Kingdom demands investment of life. devil will do everything to break relationships. You know where the devil is in the business of making sure his will will never be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me offer you another theme for you to consider transformation. In the Old Testament, the difference between the religion of Yahweh and the religion, Eastern religions at that time, the religion of Yahweh constantly called attention to the inner person worship Him with your heart, with your intent, with your spirit, everything else, calling attention to the inner person was the nature of Yahweh's religion and this very interesting theme, sorry, very interesting theme is this demands inner righteousness. It is not about systems and structures getting transformed it's about asking the fundamental question about the person itself, the worldview of the person the worldview of systems and structures. You're called to challenge the person. You are called to transform the persons. In the study on uh, the last day, 13th, I, I've lost track of when Monday falls and when Tuesday falls, but on 13th, we will look at the need for redefining empowering, empowerment in a way that it will encounter Jesus Christ in the kingdom this encounter is integral. It demands inner righteousness and calls for obedience. Let me offer you some possible redefinitions. You and I are called to transform the inner person simply because of this no-brainer in the kingdom that you and I are made in the image of God. It's as simple as that. This image is not an earned image. It's simply an image that is gifted we work with the poor, we decolonize or do everything else simply because they are made in the image of God. It's as simple as that. We don't do it because we will stand out as an organization that is brilliant as far as getting our power act right. Remember you and I are in the business of redefining power itself. You and I invest ourselves among the poor because they are simply because they are made in the image of God. The world will like to tell the poor they are not made in the image of God. They are good for nothing. That's the the key message from the world. The presence of Christian organizations like yours is simply to communicate just one message. We are here because you are made in the image of God. That is the most liberating message you can communicate. The most empowering message that you and I can communicate. This kingdom of God being affirming in person requires that you and I invest our life itself among the poor. Incarnation is not an option. Incarnation is not simply about geographies. Incarnation is about lifestyle, is about relationships. You and I are called to incarnate. That's how this kingdom functions. Because the inner person matters. You and I are called to invest life. Because in kingdom life transforms lives. Programs never transform. Projects rarely transform. Strategy, forget about it. (laughs) Metrics, no way. They will never transform. Finally through all this the people should be able to see the person and say, wow, that life, I want to follow. All your metrics, measurements, m M&E and projects, simply a platform for you to invest life. So that the poor and the stakeholders and the donors and the boards and everybody will arrive at God's conclusion. Simply to be able to say, this would not have been possible if it was for God, if it was not for God. Remember, all that we call as accomplishment and achievements constitutes only 10% of this business. 90% is God's. All that we are doing, calling impact and other things, hardly attributable to us. It is just simply God. So the board should be able to look at all the data and say, wow, this must be God. This must be God. Arriving at God conclusions. Let me offer you one more theme kingdom reverses status quo. You and I are very clear on this. It, like I said, it challenges conflict, it uh, creates conflict. It will challenge flawed ideologies. It is not enough simply to go on doing advocacy with structures, systems, institutions and processes. Like Walter Wink says, it's important to expound or what is the English word, expose the worldview that governs institutions structures and systems, and you and I are called to bring an alternate worldview that will challenge that worldview. It is—I don't know—you must have seen institutions, structures, structures, processes, people come together and hold together because of a common worldview ideology. Walter Wink, like I said, calls it spiritual interiority. You and I are called to challenge. This worldview level, not just simply rearrange the nuts and bolts of systems and structures. That even a Rotary Club can do it. Kingdom of God, people will challenge these flawed ideologies, worldview. Not because our worldview is perfect, because we are, after all, fallen human beings. We challenge this worldview, because embedded in that worldview is the lie of the father of lies. The vulnerabilities, the ideologies, and the alternate for that ideology should come from our study and ability to rightly divide the Word of God. Dividing the Word of God is fundamental competence for every m and person. You and I need to be able to study the Word of God so thoroughly well so that when we hit a worldview, flawed worldview, including our own, we know where to go for the source, where to go for the alternate. Good MNE staff, good MNE experts are good in their ability to divide the Word of God rightly. It's not an option. Let me offer you some possible ways to redefine power using this cue from the Kingdom of God. In the Kingdom truth will always be foundational. In poverty context and in the world, power is foundational. Power precedes truth. The purpose of doing m is to reverse that equation and say truth precedes power. When power preceded truth, we birthed oppression. You and I are called to reverse that equation and say no, truth precedes power in the final times when the curtain is drawn and a time, end of times come together power will have to be laid down at its feet. Truth will prevail. God will prevail. Power will only be penultimate, never ultimate. How do I communicate that? Through our presence and practice. You and I are called when we establish truth and continually proclaim truth in public domain regarding power, regarding self, regarding the capital T truth the major stakeholder for m and unfortunately will be the evil one and his uh, principalities and powers. They will be deeply interested in your m and report. You can be sure he will read your report however long it might be. He will read it because he has major stakes in your m and because if you are using your ME to establish truth, he will be upset. He will do everything to dismantle that truth. He will be—he will do everything to dismantle that truth. So there are five themes that I want to suggest as we bring together this understanding, redefining of power. It has to be theocentric. It must challenge any tendency to play God. It has to be relational people are important, transforms the inner person. My life matters and it will reverse status quo. Kingdom understanding of power will redefine development itself. We don't have the luxury of going on and having conferences and seminars to see whether evangelism and social action will come together. It's just simply called the kingdom of establishing the kingdom of God. Transformation, holism, participation and all other terms and causing people to arrive at God conclusion. To be able to say, oh, this is just simply not possible. They should be able to read our M&E report and say, I have one more question to ask the author. And the question being, who is your God? At that time, you should be able to say, his name is Yesu, and I spoke to him this morning. Purpose of m and to point in the direction of a theocentric God. <laughs> So when you say kingdom, do it with a lot of trepidation, cautiously, because when you pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a very subversive prayer when you pray from the margins. When you pray from the margins, say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's deeply political, it's deeply economic, it's deeply social. It's not one of those charity prayers. Your location matters from where you pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you.